0: In a world of complex and overwhelming challenges, the Inspirational Insights Podcast provides a shift in perspective. Dive into the minds of brilliant thinkers, creatives, and edge-riding leaders who have adapted their thinking and leadership practices to match today's perplexing challenges. Your host, Donna Jones, leads captivating conversations with trailblazers from diverse fields who have transcended tough and complex conditions to contribute to a healthier world. Can we collectively break old habits to reinvent the human work earth relationship and support the vitality and diversity of all life? Harnessing agility, embracing possibilities. Welcome to the journey.
1: In the last episode, I was speaking with Lilia Savich about her experience as a refugee from Ukraine. These stories are important today because we face complex issues. The world is very volatile in terms of how things are unfolding, and it calls upon everyone to really ramp up a skill set to work with uncertainty to much higher levels. In this episode, we are focusing on a conversation in particular with Ihor Kozlowski, who was participant on an expert panel that Lilia Sevich, who you heard from in my last episode, had organized for July the fourth of twenty twenty three, I heard three things that Ihor said in his talk that are universal in terms of how and what people can do to improve their own mental and emotional health to really move through very difficult circumstances and come out better for it come out more wise certainly and and also with a skill set that you can use in any environment whether you're in business as a leader or whether you are simply navigating some really difficult spots in life you can use these skills this way of moving through things you're listening to the inspirational insights podcast i'm your host my name is donna jones And I've been running these podcasts since 2008 to help people adjust and move through the more complex issues we face on the planet today to really care more deeply about our relationship with Earth, the planet, and in particular, how we go about doing business and the impact humans have on each other as well. We're looking at system-wide health in these conversations and shifting perspectives to see things from a different angle. So that's the setup for this conversation in this episode. And I'm going to give Lilia the space to do a little bit of an intro, and then we'll have some conversations with Ihor Kozlowski. Ihor Kozlowski does not speak English. You will hear the translator explain in English what Mr. Kozlowski said Maybe may be a little bit awkward for you as a listener, however, I encourage you to bear with it because the lessons are phenomenally invaluable. For those of you who did not hear that episode with Lilia Savic, she's going to just give a bit of a review on how we came about the conversation today in this episode, and then to briefly introduce Mr. Ihor Kozlowski outline for you the experience they're going through at an emotional level in the country and how to proceed with the highest goal in mind. To let you know why I think this episode is so important for people who don't speak Ukrainian or who aren't in Ukraine or are not part of that conflict, which is impacting everyone in the world, it is because Mr. Kozuleski was unjustly captured by a separatist group in Donetsk. He was tortured and later released. That's a very dark and a very hard experience. For him to move through it and come out with what you're going to hear in this episode is truly remarkable and inspirational.
0: I am currently in Lviv. The beginning of the war, I was working in Kiev in one of Ukrainian holdings. At the beginning of the war, it was questioned what will happen next we have to do and what me personally i have to do i was volunteering but due to some family conditions i should leave ukraine i was traveling it i calculated for two months i travel around eight countries and i settled down for half a year in ireland it was a question of course should i come back to ukraine taking into consideration that there is a war All my friends and a lot of people I know left Ukraine or moved to west of Ukraine. And it was, frankly speaking, not so easy time. Thanks God, I I know Donna Jones, which suggests me to work together. We started to work each Sunday, and it was like fresh air for me, because I started to work with finding answer for very difficult questions. What I have to do, what I'm doing here in Ireland. What uh, I have to do in Ukraine and, of course, the most difficult question, should I come back to Ukraine? My Irish host family, uh, Corrigan family, was helping me and supporting me very much. I was feeling that I need to do something and I need to do what I know. I, I was missing my lovely job and I love my job. I am human resources. And I made a decision that I'm not ready to make a downshifting and I should come back and I should continue to work for my motherland and to help as much as possible to my country. All transformations I went through thanksgiving to Donna and thanksgiving to understanding what kind of steps I need to make. I accepted offer to work in Lviv and I started to work in Lviv City Council. We have a lot of challenges especially now due to the time of the war one of the requests we have from citizens of Lviv to give an answer for not so simple question how to be resilient in the war time and what we have to do as the people who stay in a city in a country what we have to do to improve our resilience the first idea i had of course to invite my life coach donna and step by step, I find interesting experts, well-known mm, psychotherapists. Uh, Alexander feels connected with me with, with uh, Mr. Igor Kozlovsky, and he kindly agreed to participate in our discussion. We had also interesting speaker, Mr. John Arden, American psychotherapist and a Ukrainian lady, she is a PR and she has graduated philosophy in Dnipro. We had a diverse group of experts and we discussed about interesting but not so simple topic, how to be unbroken and resilient in tradition in the situation with the war. Mr. Mr. Ihor Kozlovsky is a Ukrainian scientist, mm-hmm. religious scholar, a doctor in art. Rightful pub, public figure and member of PEN ukraine Mr. Igor Kozlovsky passed not easy experience being arrested in the Donetsk People's Republic, and he spent some years in illegal prisons. December 27, 2017, Mr. Kozlovsky has been free as a part of large-scale prisoner exchange between Ukraine and separatists.
1: As a quick side note to my listeners, I have left Mr. Ihor Kozlowski's Ukrainian speaking in the audio script, quite simply because language has a cadence. It has a lot of embedded meaning, and whether you understand it or not is not really relevant. It's his voice. You will hear the translator afterwards explain what he said, but just by listening to him, you can get a feel for where he is coming from in his conversation with us. Ihor shared a story in the panel that told me there were things he had done naturally in the experience of being tortured. The goal for our conversation is to give everyone listening an understanding of what you do to get through something like this. What do you do after? How do you recover? And how do you process and understand And finally, hold compassion for yourself, but also for the events. I'm going to start by naming the three things that I heard you say in the expert panel that were absolutely brilliant. You asked the question, while being tortured and in jail, why are they doing this? And the answer that you gave in the panel discussion was to take away my human dignity. Once you realize and recognize their motivation, the motivation, their actions no longer have any power over you. Secondly, you made it through your experience in jail by writing poetry, which is absolutely intuitively brilliant expression. You need to express the emotional angst of it. That emotional energy needs to come out because otherwise uh, it goes in. I'm speaking of this in purely energetic Forms, not using psychology or all of the other disciplines that explain depression using brain and chemical imbalances. It's it strictly energetically what happens to the kind of dark ener- emotions that surface when you're in those experiences that try to make sense of what's going on in your experience and where does that go. Expression takes emotional energy and instead of turning it to dark destructive places, it gives it a positive, creative way of coming forward. Much better that it come through creative poetry or other creative forms than destruction. Your final comment at the end of the panel, you mentioned love, suggesting that love is the antidote to human depravity. To me, this was brilliant. They were not able to break you of your dignity you reached far beyond and rose above that experience to attain the wisdom that can come out of very difficult and hard experiences. It takes time to make sense out of things that don't make sense. So now my questions will be to explore where you've gone since and what direction, what comes out of such an experience because everyone can become better at being human from these hard experiences. And I know people listening can benefit from what you have learned. It's a deeply personal inquiry. So obviously only answer what you're comfortable with and uh, willing to share. It's a process and it can be pretty messy by nature. So the aim is to transform that experience into a state of peace. How have you made sense of what makes no sense? Looking back on it now, how have you processed that experience?
2: Что хотів сказати, а це головне в будь-якому спілкуванні це головне почути, не тільки слухати, але й чути. Це говорить про те, що вийдіс на висококваліфікована особистість, яка налаштована на те, щоб чути іншого.
3: Thank you for these very important questions, and the questions you are asking attest to the fact that you really heard what I was saying. It means that you listened really well and you really understood what I tried to say. Um, in any sort of conversation, communication process, it's very important to have the skill of listening, and you have it, and that means that you hold really high qualifications as an expert in your field, and really you are very attuned to to others, to listening to others, being able to hear them.
2: In odpowiedający na wasze pytanie, ja powin zadatycie, że każdy z nas, to projekt piętnaśmaja. Тобто ми є проєкт, який покликані втілити всьому житті. Тобто ми є процес реалізації проєкту. А це означає, що для нас головним є якраз як біосоціальних істот, тому що у нас дуже така потужна частина нашого біологічного виміру з емоціями, з реакціями але ж ми покликані бути людьми тому саме оцей людський вимір є головним нашим завданням в реалізації нашого буття тут на землі
3: I would say that each of us is a project. Each of us is a project that we can entitle our self for. That's our goal. We are actually all trying to bring this project to life. Um, so you could say that our life is this process of realizing, of implementing this project. And because we are biosocial beings by nature, This part means that we have those very strong emotions and reactions that we manifest. So this part plays a very important role in our life. But our main goal is to try and be human. We have to be human. This is the most important aspect in this process that we are trying to realize here on this Earth on this planet.
2: процесу, який усвідомлює свою невипадковість тут на землі, я повинен наповнити сенсами свою біологію, свої емоції, свої реакції, а це означає знаходитися в процесі рефлексування. Навіть під час катувань. Я намагався не втратити саме цей процес рефлексування для того, щоб задавати собі і світу питання. Тому що будь-який процес, пов'язаний з мисленням, з когнітивним процесом, це насамперед правильно задавати питання. Ну і тут головним питанням – навіщо? Навіщо це відбувається? Навіщо я потрапив в такі умови? А навіщо? Тобто яка який сенс в цьому в якому я зараз знаходжусь?
3: And as this kind of process that realizes that it's not being implemented by chance, it's here for a reason on this planet, as this sort of self-conscious, self-reflecting process. I understand that I need to fill this biological part, those emotions and reactions with meaning with a certain kind of sense and that entails a process of reflection even when i was under torture for example i saw as my goal not losing this ability to reflect not exiting this process of reflection and that meant asking myself and asking the world in general some questions Basically, the main of those questions was what is this for? Not why am I uh, in these conditions, in these circumstances, but what is this for? What kind of sense can I make of this? What kind of sense can I maybe generate out of this process?
2: Відповідь, яку я отримую на це внутрішнє своє питання, є таким рушієм моєї подальшої дії. Тобто я вже починаю жити відповідно цих дії. Тобто моя, мої сенси не тільки внутрішні, які я знаходжусь, вони проявляються в зовнішньому просторі через певну дію. Якщо я зрозумів, що я знаходжусь навіщо тобто для чогось з якоюсь метою наприклад допомогти комусь, наприклад одній людині вижити то я повинен це зробити Моє спрямування, воно якраз має на вістрі, його, на вістрі цієї дії бачити світ навколо, не тільки внутрішній світ, але і світ навколо, таким чином гармонізуючи як внутрішні роздуми, так і зовнішню дію.
3: And so it became clear to me that the answer I get to these internal questions and to this process of internal questioning, they trigger or they motivate my next actions. And then you live according to what you decide and according to the actions you decide to implement. It's like this internal meaning is also manifested in the outer world, in the world outside uh, myself, Through a certain action. So my thinking was, if I'm here with a certain goal, if my being here has a certain sense, and this is, for example, to help someone else, one other person to survive this, then I understand that I need to survive, I have to survive. It's like at the peak where those two aspects overlap. You look beyond yourself. You look into the world. And so you bring into harmony your internal reflections, internal questioning, and this external outside action, uh, which is the result.
2: It's a abstract understanding of the sense. concept is the name, that is, a name. For me sense Це любов в будь-яких проявах, тому що це є якраз та живільна сила, яка дозволяє людині не просто виживати, а повноцінно жити, навіть в умовах катастрофічної реальності. І я, як ви пам'ятаєте, під час нашої дискусії сформулював це у вигляді, що я є боржником любові, тобто боржником свого сенсу під назвою любов.
3: And for me, this is not simply something abstract, this abstract understanding of, let's say, uh, what the sense is. For me, it has a very specific concrete meaning and name. Um, This sense for me is love in um, whatever form this love manifests itself in. And I see it as this life-giving vital force, uh, which helps people not only to survive, but also to live as full a life as possible, even in the conditions of a catastrophe. And as you probably remember, I actually said during this panel discussion that I see myself as someone who owes a debt to this love. And the debt is this actual feeling of a sense and meaning in my
0: life.
1: i love every single one of those points they'd fill you with so much peace and hope for humanity second question what kind of dark emotions still stay in your mind and what can they teach in terms of learning or insight
2: я розумію про що ви говорите переживати різні емоції це може бути тривога то може страх роздратування, можливо, прояви того, що ми називаємо ненавість. Такі моменти, вони є в житті будь-якої здорової людини. Це нормальні процеси, але а, для мене важливо їх правильно називати. І оце мистецтво правильно називати, це означає, що я включаю іншу оптику. Я не просто говорю, що я переживаю зараз роздратування. Я задаю собі питання, навіщо я буду так реагувати? Тобто, що це за емоція зараз йде? Ну, я зрозумію, що ми крихкі, ми знаходимося на певні межі, і ми можемо наштовхуватися на інших людей, на інші проблеми, які викликають у, це, у мене ці емоції. От для мене важливо правильно їх називати і правильно з ними працювати.
3: I understand your question, and I think that it's natural for people, of course, to feel different sorts of emotions. Some of them are emotions, feelings like anxiety, fear, or irritability, or hate in different forms that hate takes. And this happens to anyone, this can be seen in any life and every life. These are normal things, normal processes. But what's important for me is to find a right, a correct name for them. And this art presupposes taking a different perspective, um, opting for a slightly different lens. And this is not simply realizing what kind of feeling you are experiencing right now. Let's say this is being irritated with someone or something. This means that I also ask myself a question. Mm. What am I feeling this for? Why is this feeling here in me? Why am I feeling that? And I do understand that we are all of us in a fragile state and very often on edge. We encounter very often those Things, problems people that give rise to emotions of this kind but for me the important thing as mentioned is to name them give them their proper correct name and also to be able to process them properly.
2: I can give an example. But now you know the war Люди переживають різні емоції, ми говоримо про те, що наші воїни там на фронті стикаються зі смертю, з ворогом, зруйновані міста, є загиблі їх побратими, і дуже часто можна почути, що їм рухає ненависть. Я заперечую. Я заперечую говорю, що ні, навпаки, їми рухає любов. Чому? Тому що вони пішли на фронт і захищають свою любов. Вони захищають свою землю, вони захищають своїх рідних, батьків, дружин, дітей. Вони захищають свою свободу. Тобто вони захищають те, що вони люблять. І якщо б була тільки виключно ненавість, вона би спалила їх. А любов дає їм сили сили не тільки рухатися на полі бою і зустрічати смерть, страждання достойно, гідно і перемагати також, тому що перемогти ми можемо тільки використовуючи силу любові, а не силу ненависті.
3: I will give you an example, perhaps. As you know, we are now living uh, through the war, which brings many different emotions up in people. Our soldiers fighting at the front line are confronting death and their enemy and the ruined cities and towns um, on everyday basis. And they also see their dying and dead comrades. It's said very often that what helps them to move forward, what propels those soldiers is hatred, to which I say no. This is not hatred that makes them move forward. This is love. Uh, Because they went there, they went to the front line, they are at war right now to protect love and what they love to protect their land, their close people, relatives, spouses, and actually to protect their freedom itself. So they are there to fight for what they love, to protect it. And if they felt just hatred, if it was only hatred that motivated them, this hatred would have burned them completely. But instead they feel love and this love gives them the strength to move forward. And not just to move forward on the battlefront, on the field of battle, and to encounter with dignity the suffering that they have to go through and everything that they have to go through, but also it gives them the strength to win, because we can only win, we can only triumph through love.
2: I'll give you an example in the of not it's a real Я її дуже люблю, це пов'язано з однією суфійською святою, Рабія її звали. І одного разу Рабію запитали, чи є в ненавість до ібліса, до шайтана, тобто до диявола. І вона відповіла, що моє серце так наповнено любов'ю до Всевишнього, що там немає місця для ненависті до Ібліса. Якщо б там була хоча б маленька частина ненависті до Ібліса, тоді б я недостатньо не любила Всевишнього.
3: To illustrate this, I would also like to share a parable with you, which is actually a real story, I believe, and I love it very much. It's about a Sufi saint whose name is Rabia. She was once asked a question, and the question was, do you hate Iblis, do you hate the devil? Mm -hmm. To which she replied, my heart is so overflowing with the love for the Almighty that there is no place there for any kind of hate towards the devil. If there was a corner, a place in my heart, in my soul, filled with hate of the devil, that would mean that I don't have enough
1: love for God, for the Almighty. I'd like to jump off of that answer, Yihua, because if there is a place when you're in dark places, surrounded by people that are involved in their aggression and their violence and fear, where it is possible to slide into the same level of human depravity, the book banning, things that reject what we think we hate. I'm wondering, what are the signals that you have observed that would tell someone, "Uh uh-oh, I'm going down that slippery slope into human depravity, and I must remember love to pull myself out?
2: це завдяки цьому ми можемо виховувати і виховуватися. Але у цьому є і інша сторона, що ми можемо відзеркалювати. Ми навчилися імітувати інших і можемо відзеркалювати їхні не тільки позитивні сторони, але і негативні. Особливо, коли це руйнівна енергія. Енергія спрямована на те, щоб зруйнувати, вбити, образити, тобто викити тих негативних емоцій, які можуть проявлятися як в дії, так і в словах. І тут є певна небезпека. Небезпека якраз імітувати і тобто стати подібним до іншого.
3: I agree that we are very fragile beings, and also we are very suggestible in the sense of being easily manipulated by others. It's easy to suggest things to us and semanticize our feelings and actions, our ourselves. And this uh, is positive in a way because it enables us to bring others up in a certain way, to educate them, to mould their behaviour. And also, of course, it means that we ourselves can go through this process of being shaped or moulded in a certain way. Of course, it means that we mirror others. We have mastered this ability of imitating others in both positive and negative senses. Especially this comes to the for this ability or this capacity for mirroring and imitation when we encounter some sort of destructive energy, destructive force, the temptation to ruin, to bring destruction, to kill others, to hurt them, to offend them. This negative emotion, all in all, which can be manifested in our actions and also in our words. There is always this danger of becoming like someone else in this meaning in this respect.
2: І тут у нас є три рівня, три intellectual наших which we інтелектуальних спроможностей, які ми можемо обробити дану ситуацію і ми повинні її обробляти. cognitive по-перше, це наш когнітивний інтелект, наше рефлексування, коли ми можемо задати правильні питання, навіщо так буде реагувати? По-друге, це мій емоційний рівень. Я повинен знати свої емоції, я повинен правильно їх називати, тобто я повинен потовершувати з ними. Це є процес самодослідження, саморозуміння себе. Далі, я повинен навчити себе правильно їх контролювати, Тобто розумна, це мої інструменти взаємодії з зі світом, і не вони повинні мною керувати, а я їми. І далі я повинен зрозуміло відслідковувати емоції інших з тим, щоб знов ж таки залишаючись в такому асертивному стані, будучи асертивною людиною, я повинен все ж таки проявляти емпатію з розумінням того, що саме спонукало цю людину так реагувати зараз на мене чи на ту чи іншу ситуацію. І далі вибудовувати цей простір через ту відповідь, яку отримав я через когнітивні свої роздуми. І нарешті це екзистенційний рівень. Тобто рівень, де я знайшовши сенси, якщо я живу цими сенсами, вони повинні стати стрижним of my reactions and my actions. And then my life in those situations will be paradoxically different than usual for the surrounding environment.
3: So I think that there are three levels of our general intellectual human capacity that can help us to process situations like these first of all there is the purely intellectual cognitive level which presupposes that I ask myself all the correct all the right questions like why am I reacting like this to a situation like that secondly there is the emotional level which means that I find the correct name for the emotion that I'm experiencing right now and I apply this name to it. And so I understand it better. I make friends with my emotions. I really understand them. So this is the process of self-understanding, self-exploration on this emotional level. And then I also learn to control those emotions. I master them. I see them as tools that I'm given in order to communicate and interact with the world. And I should be the master of those tools, of those emotions, not vice versa. They should not be my master. Then that leads us to trying to observe and understand the emotions of others. And that means that while I remain assertive as a human being, as a person, I also have enough empathy to look at other people and understand what made them react to the way they reacted to me or to something that's happening around me, around them. And that also leads to the situation where I build a certain space around myself based, first of all, on the answers that I've given to myself, to my questions on this cognitive level. So after having understood the situation consciously in a self-aware manner. And last but not least, there is this existential level where if I found those meanings, those senses, they will become the basis for everything. Um, My reactions, my emotions, but also my actions, the way I behave and if I have attained um, this understanding on all those different levels, it means that I will behave in a certain way, uh, which may be considered a sort of paradox by people around me, because it will be a way of behaving, a way of being, which is very different from what people are used to.
2: тут я в такий момент, Фьорлс сказав, що характер – це різновид неврозу. Будь-який характер – це різновид неврозу. І таким чином, якщо ми знаємо характер людини, то ми можемо прорахувати її невротичний стан її реакції її взагалі позиціювання в світі в тому числі і той же Юнг до речі сказав, що невроз існує до того періоду, до якого людина не знайшла сенс, як тільки вона знаходить сенс свого життя, невроз зникає, що це означає це означає, що ти стаєш пластичним Тобто ти можеш бути, я б сказав так, обирати ту чи іншу характеристику своїх дій в тій чи іншій ситуації пластично, не виходячи з свого там, колишнього неврозу. І потрапляючи в полоні, в ту чи іншу камеру, ну, мене кидали і до карних злочинців, і до боєвків, І, зрозуміло, це робилося для того, щоб створити конфліктну ситуацію з тим, щоб вони могли ну, впливати на мене. І завдяки тому, що був певний стрижень сенсів, я в, інші, в тих чи інших ситуаціях перевертав ситуацію так, що вона працювала на мене, а не на них. Тобто, вибудовуючи такі стосунки з ними, що їх агресія зникала. Саме завдяки тому, що я, м- м- був пластичний в цих ситуаціях, не відповідаючи на ті чи інші агресивні випади. Е, uh,
3: пане, Роз... what I've said, I'd like to add something else, if you remember in Pals' words, a character is just a form of our neurosis, which means that if we know what someone's character is, we can get this insight into their neurosis and into how they would react when they are positioned in a certain way in the world. And actually, we understand how they tend to position themselves in respect to the world around them. According to Collium, also neurosis only exists until we've managed to find a coherent sense of ourselves and of the life around us, and then this neurosis dissolves them, disappears. For me, that means, I think, being or becoming flexible. And when you become flexible, when you understand your neurosis fully, you can then choose a way in which you behave, in which you react to the world, and you do that flexibly, not based on, not embedded in this neurosis, not in that way. When I was in captivity and when they threw me into different cells, into a cell where the criminal, for example, where the criminals were held or into a cell with the separatist fighters, they did that, my captors, to create conflicts, to see how the surrounding, the people around me would influence me. Because I had this fulcrum, this basis of senses, of meanings that helped me to withstand, it meant that all those situations that could potentially become conflicts, I transformed in such a way that they became favorable to me. Uh, so, the aggression which people hoped to create uh, actually disappeared because of the way I reacted to the situation into which I was placed, because of the way I was flexible in my responses to this situation, flexible in the way I responded, or rather didn't respond to any aggressive overture which was aimed at me.
1: So much there for people who are going through difficult times to remember that context shapes your behavior and it is your consciousness that decides what behavior you choose, how you decide to respond to it. Recognizing that we are all interconnected and live on one planet, just one, what can your experience teach humanity about being compassionate toward each other? I'd like to expand the, the scope of what you've just said to how we live together on one single planet.
2: Ну по-перше, ми покликані бути людьми. Це головне. тому що коли ми говоримо про людяність, тут треба зрозуміти, що піклування про людину це не тільки піклування про її Зовнішнього, ну, наприклад, там тіла і комфорт, який очи, і потреби, які вона повинна задовольняти. Це насамперед робити зусилля, щоб людство зростало. Зростало в розумінні з своєї відповідальності і за всіх. Тобто за все людство І за екологію, яка нас оточує І взагалі за планету Тобто це певний рівень планетарного мислення І для цього треба зростати Тобто дорослішати і Ми повинні бути тими, хто розуміє Що таке є учень любові Ми не в любові Це так І це є певний виклик Ми можемо говорити дуже багато про любов, але ж не треба забувати, що любов – це не тільки і не стільки почуття, скільки конкретні дії. Це певний процес зміни людства в тому числі по законам любові, по тим законам, які є фундаментальними взагалі для життя і життя продовжується заради любові, життя наповнюється сенсом саме любов'ю. І це заклик бути пам'ятати про недосконалість свою і заклад для того, щоб робити зусилля в цьому процесі, вдосконалюючи себе, вдосконалюючи свій людський вимір і саме наповнюючи цей людський вимір розумінням, що таке любов. Любов це більше, ніж емпатія, тому що емпатія це початок Це певне, я б сказав, ядро любові, коли ми починаємо розуміти іншого, коли ми можемо прочитати іншого, його біль, страждання, його надії, його радість. Але ж любов це зусилля, які потрібно зробити, щоб людина зростала в глибшому розумінні і своєї радості в глибшому розумінні і свого призначення і своєї не тут на землі.
3: In answer to that question, I would like to say that I see our first call as a to be truly human. To be truly human and that means much more than just taking care of other people on this external superficial level. It means much more than just taking care of uh, someone's body and their bodily needs, their comfort for example. To me that first of all means that we aid others' all the human beings in their capacity, in their potential, in their ability to grow and develop. And one of the things that this means helping people to develop in themselves is responsibility, responsibility on a planetary scale, responsibility as in, for example, understanding what we are doing to to nature. So this ecological responsibility. It also means that we need to grow and we need to become more grown up and more mature. We need to understand this teaching of love, I would say. Uh, we need to understand that we are imperfect. we need uh, to uh, feel this love and to allow it to shape our actions. So it's not just a feeling, but so that it becomes a way of behavior, a way to be in the world. That means a transformation of the humankind according to those laws of love. Love is basically what gives us meaning, right? I think we need to remember that we are all imperfect and we need also to make this effort to grow, to improve, to expand this human aspect, what is truly human in ourselves. And we need to fill ourselves and the world around us with love love for me is more than just empathy for me empathy is just the kernel it's just the embryo just the starting point of love because empathy means that you understand another human being you understand them in their joy and in their pain but love for me is also making an effort to help this other person grow you help them to Gain this feeling, this understanding of their role, their importance, of the fact that they are not here just randomly. There is a certain sense, there is a certain purpose to their being on this earth.
1: Thank you. I'm just so grateful to be in this conversation with you right now. So much here. One more thing. Have you been able to go back to what had meaning before all this happened? And what has meaning for you now? I'm asking this because wounded soldiers people who've experienced trauma there's a need to reconnect to a meaningful purpose it is about this next step who am i now after this experience the value of the whole in terms of where i go now that's what i'm curious about what can advice can you share with people who are really wondering where do i go from here maybe as a wounded soldier you've, you've lost a lot and the question is now what how do i proceed
2: не питання тому що будь-яка травма це люди повертаються саме з травмами з війни з полону взагалі зараз у нас травмоване суспільство і травма вона і дуже хитра вона коварна вона може змусити людину йти неправильним шляхом. І ми можемо це фіксувати, навіть зараз спостерігаючи. Один варіант – це намагання уникнути спогадів про травму, тобто витіснити травму. Це безперспективна і некорисна, тому що це може призвести до того, що буде страждати соматика, з'являться різні хвороби, людина не буде розуміти, чому вона постійно роздратована і що її руйнує зсередині. По-друге, другий шлях також неконструктивний – це намагання... Якось втопити в лапках травму, там, в алкоголі, в наркотиках, тобто забутися, забутися, витіснити не тільки зі свідомості, а витіснити саму свідомість, саме усвідомлення. І це неконструктивно. Третій варіант також неконструктивний – це почати грати жертву. І дуже часто люди починають заграватися і таким чином перекладаючи відповідальність за своє життя на інших і вимагати від них Певних зусиль для того, щоб цю жертву обслуговували. Тобто запит, такий постійний запит на допомогу, на те, щоб постійно пам'ятали про її жертву. Ці три варіанти, вони є деструктивними. З мого погляду, єдиним правильним варіантом це перетворити. Trauma constructive
3: Thank you for this question. Yes, I agree. It's not an easy question to answer, but I will nevertheless try the way I see it, any kind of trauma, and this could be trauma inflicted by the war or incurred on you in captivity. And generally, we could say that everyone in our society today is traumatized to a certain degree in a certain way. Any kind of trauma is very insidious, meaning that it can make you behave in a way which is destructive. It can make you take this wrong direction, wrong way out of the situation as you see it. And we are actually observing many cases of this now. There are Three different reactions that trauma can impose upon you, I think, that are not productive for us. First of all, some people try to avoid all memories of trauma, to repress it, to push it away. And this is unproductive and not healthy for a human being because it means that the trauma will still manifest in a certain way for example by taking some kind of somatic form you feeling unwell you feeling irritated all the time and not realizing why um, you are so uh, easily irritated. There is something that destroys you from the inside and you're not aware of it. You do not really know what that is. The second way of coping, and it's a bad mechanism, bad coping mechanism, is when you try to... Uh, Repress it completely to drown this trauma in something like alcohol or drugs, for example. It's like you try to use forgetfulness. You do not simply try to push this trauma out of the limits, out of the scope of your consciousness. You're actually trying to repress this consciousness, this awareness itself. You're trying to somehow get rid of it. Some people can adopt this role of victim on everyday basis which means that they shift all responsibility which they have for their own life, onto someone else. They want someone else to take responsibility for everything that happens to them. So they demand to be constantly taken care of and constantly helped in everything. They want other people all the time to remember about the trauma they went through, and they remind them about it. I see those three ways of behaviour as destructive, the only right way forward for me is turning your trauma into a constructive experience, and i'll explain shortly what I mean by that
2: повинні розуміти що будь які наши проживания ті інші ситуа в яких ми потрапляємо цеша не є досвід. Досвід стає досвідом тільки після того, як ми його усвідомлюємо. Це важливий момент. І оце перетворення травми в досвід, а дуже багато людей пройде через різне випробування, але не, набу... не зможе набути досвіду. Чому? Тому що не вміють працювати з травмою, з ситуацією, з катастрофою. Це означає, що для того, щоб стати людиною, яка опрацювала травму, для цього треба дорослішання. Чим відрізняється доросла людина від інфантільної? Тим, що вона а, усвідомлює і бере відповідальність. Інфантільна людина не усвідомлює і не бере відповідальності. Оці три, момент, три шляхи деструктивні – це шляхи інфантільної людини, яка не хоче брати відповідальність за досвід. Тому важливо усвідомити травму, вивести її на рівень свідомості, вербалізувати Тобто подивитися на цю травму, вербалізовану травму, як спостерігач. І накреслити шляхи, які дозволять вийти, вивести травму на периферію і працювати вже, на це, використовуючи цю травму, як добрива для зростання. Травма, як не дивна, буде вже працювати не деструктивно, а конструктивна, даючи можливість людині зростати, зростати і як людина, і як духовна істота. І для цього не тільки ті три спроможності, про які я говорив, і когнітивні спроможності, емоційні, Інтелект екзистенційний, важливо пам'ятати про соціальний інтелект, тобто відповідальність повинна розповсюджуватися не тільки на тебе, не тільки на твій, твій досвід, а твій досвід повинен працювати на загал, на свою родину на спільноту, яка тебе оточує, на твою націю, можливо, на всю планету. Тобто ти повинен стати добривом для зростання і інших також. Це соціальний рівень, соціальний інтелект. Творчий інтелект повинен працювати, ти повинен творчо підходити взагалі для, для, для того, щоб змінити світ. Тобто твої зусилля для того, щоб дати щось світові, щоб світ став на хоча б на трошки більше, я б сказав, людяним, більше дорослим і більше відповідальним. І зрозуміло, ти повинен не забувати і про своє тіло. Ти повинен тіло наповнювати сенсами, і твоє тіло – це інструмент перебування в цьому Всесвіті. І цей інструмент потрібно не тільки зберігати, а й розвивати. Тобто давати йому ті чи інші, я б сказав, завдання для того, щоб це тіло було продуктивним. Щоб воно давало тобі енергію, щоб ти цю енергію міг використовувати для свого зростання, для зростання себе як особистості, для дорослішання себе і для допомоги іншим.
3: So I'll explain what I had in mind, how I meant this. What I mean is that for me, any kind of emotion, any kind of situation you go through, this is not yet experienced. This does not yet amount to experience. For something to become an experience, you have to fully be aware or become aware of it. So when we go through trauma it does not always become experience in this true sense of the word experience because you have not truly understood it you have not become fully aware of it because you don't have the skill the capacity to do that to work with a situation of catastrophe a situation of trauma So what do you actually need to make your trauma, to make this catastrophe into an experience in this true sense of the word? You need to grow up when I described those three destructive ways of behaving, of reacting to trauma, I was talking about the reactions, the behaviors that we can see in people that are essentially still childish. They are infantilized. So that, for me, is the difference between a person who's mature, who's a real grown-up, and a person behaving in this infantilized and childish way. For me, a grown-up, a mature person, a person who's truly aware of themselves and the world around them this is a person who takes responsibility upon themselves upon their own shoulders and this childish person someone who is infantilized doesn't want to be responsible Wants wants to avoid this responsibility. In order to achieve this truly mature state, this grown-up state, you need to understand your trauma, get an insight into it, cognitively speaking. And you also need to verbalize it. You need to put it into words. And that means that you will adopt a position that is a bit distanced, detached, like you're looking at your trauma from the outside, as an outside external observer. That would help you to make this trauma not something which is central in your life and this will help you get to the periphery of this traumatic experience so to speak then you will be able actually to use this trauma as a kind of fertilizer for your growth for becoming more mature for becoming more grown-up as a human being um, purely on this material and physical level but also as a spiritual being I mentioned those different levels of intellect. I talked about our cognitive abilities, our emotional intellect and this existential level. But also I would like to mention our social intellect, which also plays an important role here. Because you assume responsibility not just in terms of responsibility for your own experience for processing trauma and turning it into this useful fertilizer. But also, you need to make sure that your experience also works on a whole different level. It's something that can benefit your community, the people around you, the world, the country, the planet, in very um, general terms. You use your trauma as a fertilizer, not just for your own growth, but you also use it to help other people grow. And also, there is this creative intelligence, creative um, capacity that is of importance here, because through it, through being creative, you can give something to the world. You can give the world something that will enable people to become more human, more humane, and also to understand what this responsibility, being responsible, is and act with the responsibility. And also, you need, of course, to take care of your body. And that means that you fill it with a certain kind of sense, with a certain meaning. And you understand that this is an instrument which enables you to uh, be here in this world, in this universe, to inhabit this existence. So you need to, of course, take care of your body, but also you need to evolve it so that it becomes more productive and it gives you the ability to grow and also
1: to help others grow to help others evolve it is interesting that you say that because i have observed that when my consciousness shifts my physicality also shifts so the movement the exercises i do change to support the emotional and spiritual shift inside i love that observation of yours (coughs) are. thank you very much for being willing to step in and have this conversation today. You are probably the best example of someone who has transcended, risen above a very traumatic experience by moving through it, not by avoiding, but by just moving through it. And that to me is a level of courageous leadership and humble leadership that we need more of today. So, as a role model for not just Ukrainians but for people around the world, I, I believe you are absolutely amazing person. <laughs> Is there anything you'd like to add before we close this conversation?
2: І для нашого роз... нашої такої професійної розмови, я думаю, й для людей, які будуть Тому що будь-які рефлексування, вони дозволяють подивитися на, на власне життя під певним кутом. І ми недосконалі, ми дійсно недосконалі, ми повинні це визнавати. І ви запитували стосовно того, чим відрізняється сенс мого життя зараз. Від сенсу того, який був до всіх цих подій до війни, як ми кажемо тут, до 14-го року, до полону. Так, безумовно, відрізняється, тому що зникли в минулому, там десь далеко за туманом, і колишні мрії з немає того майна яке було забрали твій дім забрали роки твого життя це втрати це втрати і ти повинен дивитися на ці втрати з одного боку з розумінням що це дійсно втрати а наше життя людське воно коротке і от зараз мені майже 70 років І, але ж треба жити далі, і кожний крок твій по життю, він наповнений, я би сказав, більше, більшим вантажем твого досвіду. Ти не можеш повернути минуле. Під час цієї війни на моїх руках помирає мій син, в якого я вкладався, який мене вчив любити і це також величезна втрата. вона до речі дала мені розуміння того, що я повинен жити далі не тільки за себе, але і за нього також. Тобто це додаткова відповідальність. і це а, мій хрест який я несу і скажу, що це непростий, зрозуміла, хрест. Але ж у мене є відповідальність за людей, за країну, за... не тільки за Україну, взагалі за людей. І я роблю все можливо, скільки у мене є часу, для того, щоб повернути саме людське в людині. Нагадати, що ми все ж таки люди, і це величезна, величезна відповідальність, і треба за нею про неї пам'ятати. Пам'ятати, що відповідальність це наша відповідь не тільки на словах, але й на справах наших, які ми повинні втілювати в життя. Дякую.
3: Thank you for your questions. They are all very important and important in terms of our professional conversation, but also for people who will later um, listen to us. And why are they so important um, to me? Because I think that any sort of reflection allows us to consider ourselves, allows each person to consider themselves from a new perspective, through a new lens, remembering that we are all of us imperfect, And we need to see this, we need to recognize this imperfection in ourselves. You asked me before whether the sense of meaning, the sense of purpose for me right now, and the sense of purpose that I had before, the sense of meaning that I had before, was there any different by before I mean before the war, before even 2014, before my captivity? And yes, of course, those meanings, those purposes, they are different because for me, Lots of things are now lost completely in the past. They are lost in this fog, mist of the past. My old dreams and the property that I possessed, like I lost my home, for example. And generally, I would say that I lost years and years of my life. It's important to recognize this loss as such, to recognize it as loss, to remember that human life is short. I am now almost 70 years old, and I do understand that, nevertheless, I uh, need to live on, to carry on. For me, this every step that I take is filled with the burden, with the responsibility that experience brings with it. And I also understand that I cannot go back. I cannot um, return to the past. During the war, I saw my son die. I was heavily invested in him as a human being. And he was the person who actually taught me to love, to experience love. So that was a huge loss for me. And I understand right now that I need to live not just for myself, but I also need to live for my son in a sense. So I have this added responsibility in this respect. And I see it as a cross, as a burden that I have to carry. Um, but also I realize that I have this huge responsibility when I think about other people, and the country and humanity in general. I need to do everything that I can do to speak to what's human in people and to return them to the sense of what is human within a human person and they need to remind them that they are humans. I see this as a huge responsibility And I also see this as the answer we can give to what we encounter, the answer that is manifested not only through what we say, but also through what we do, through our
1: actions. Indeed. Absolutely inspiring. Thank you very much. Uh, Alessio, we couldn't do this without you. Thank you for your brilliant transferring of the language. I'm very grateful for Alessia to help us out. Leadership looks different today. It's not superficial. It is that deeper dive into what makes us human and sets us apart from AI robots and a whole lot of other things that separate us from our capability and creative talent. This particular conversation with Eeyore was important to me, along with the the tremendous support from Lilia in bringing it to you. It was important to me because it, it it is the epitome of what leadership can do today to change the superficiality that we rely on, the just get it done approach to reaching out with greater compassion, greater understanding, more curiosity in the face of fear, and really start to work with Reality in a very different way. We have a lot to do to transfer fear into curiosity and work with it more directly as a way to reconnect to each other, reconnect in communities, reconnect to other species, care and have compassion for other species, at minimum, respect for other species. The source of every war, the source of family not talking to one another or omitting each other from our constellation is emotional health. That is why this conversation is so important, because emotional health is in everyone's hands. It's in our best interests. And if we are going to move from a what's in it for me consciousness to something that is more unifying across the planet, considering we only live on one, then emotional health is the simplest form of investment that anyone can make. Obviously it's a lot easier to blame other people but it's a lot more productive and constructive to address the deeper emotional issues that hold and limit things in place when they could be better. This week I learned that Ihor Kozlowski passed away with a heart attack That makes it even more important that the conversation we had here makes a difference to people listening to it. So I'm going to invite you to share it with someone you feel will need some insight, how to work with yourself more directly so that we can all effectively become adults, to quote Mr. Kozlowski. I need to also thank Lilia. Without her, we would never have had this conversation. And I would not have had this opportunity to learn so much from some very fascinating people and to participate in the forum that Lilia set up, which was truly an honor and a gift. So I think this is the journey that we're on for leaders today. And I truly hope that you've pulled valuable insights and wisdom from the conversation between Lilia and Ihor to draw on for yourself and for your own lives and for your own process and decisions. My name is Donna Jones. You can support this podcast by dropping something in the tips jar that's in the show notes or subscribe. Thanks for joining me.